so much choir and worship team, Beth. That was Debbie Ricker who was dancing. Can we just celebrate all of them that give that? Debbie. She was practicing at seven o'clock in the morning this morning, her expression of worship. He is risen. Amen. Would you uh, reflect with me for a moment? Let's get started in this way um, with a few questions. First question is this, what has been, or I should ask it this way, who has been the most predominant voice in your life? Maybe at different times, but who's been that, that person or persons who has spoken into your life most significantly, most profoundly. Maybe it was a parent uh, growing up. Maybe at different times it was a teacher or a school counselor or a pastor or a coach or a spiritual director. Who have been those people, when you think about that profound voice in your life, who has been that person or people? For me, it's been different people at different times, and especially at Easter, I always think of my dad. My dad loved Easter. He'd always wear that tie and that jacket, and he loved to say, he is risen. Good, I didn't catch you off, yes. So that, that really comes from my dad, and of course, later today, I'll call my siblings, and it will be the challenge, who's the first one to say that phrase, right? Because my dad, he, he loved Easter. It was a joy for him, and really, my dad wasn't really into me when I was a young guy, right? He was this intellectual. But when I got to college, we started to have a weekly phone call, and uh, I, re- I still remember talking with my parents every Sunday evening and being so thankful, everything from girlfriends to uh, school uh, to what do I think God is doing to call, that he was a counselor, so that helped. But this wise voice that would continue to speak and help and support and encourage. And I really miss that voice Tremendously. That, that leads us to another question. Is there someone right now, perhaps you've had many folks in the past that have spoken into your life, but is there someone right now who's speaking into your life? I want to suggest that perhaps for many of us, that is a profound gap right now, especially if we're older, especially if we're adults especially if we've lost our, our parents like I have, that, that oftentimes we, we've had some of those voices in the past, but, but right now we don't have that wise person, that wise counselor that's speaking into our lives. And I would suggest that we need that at any age, regardless of how old we get. One last question to get us going. How predominant is God's voice in your life right now? Is he speaking to you and your heart and soul? 
Now, it can get a little bit wonky when we ask and talk about hearing voices and, and God voices, right? And, and some of us are like, I don't really believe that, those kind of things. Or some of us says, I, I do believe it, but boy, I, it's not for me. I haven't, I haven't heard that voice. I, I don't, when people talk about God speaking, I, I don't get it and I don't understand it. It is interesting to note that's not only God's book that promises God's voice for us, but it's in the history books that we see God, this phenomenon, phenomenon of God speaking. If you look at all these generations, for example, like Joan of Arc, she was this uh, young peasant French girl. And yet the things that she accomplished in her life, and you know what she says the source of her direction and guidance was supernatural, supernatural voices. Some of you might have heard of a, he, he lived as a Carmelite monk and he was, it was Brother Lawrence. And he wrote the book, Practicing the Presence of God. And he would do his main job in the monastery was doing dishes. And yet people would come from all around to ask him questions about God and God's voice and to get his wisdom because he was seen as an individual whose God's voice was speaking into. You've got Frederick Douglass, an African-American abolitionist, social reformer, statesman, did these incredible things in the history of our nation. Did you know he claimed divine guidance and direction for his life? We just celebrated St. Patrick's Day, and I love the story of St. Patrick. He was he was captured by pirates and enslaved on the island of Ireland. For six years, he served all by himself, would just pray and pray and pray. And then one day, he heard a voice. And that voice said, now's the time. I've got a boat ready for you. It was a miraculous. And he found that boat. He was able to escape to freedom. And then that same voice called him back to share the love of Christ Jesus with his very captors, the people there. We have this history of the, the voice of God, of God speaking to us. Wouldn't that be incredible to be like some of those folks? Like some of, like Brother Lawrence or, or um, Joan of Arc, that, that God, that yes, we would have many human voices, but to have God the one true living God speaking into our life like that. I'm here to tell you this morning that Easter represents a different kind of life for you and me. A, a life opened up in a profound way that the, the significance of Jesus dying on the cross, being buried for three days, and rising this morning, he's saying, I have risen so that you might live a categorically different life, a resurrection life, a, a life of freedom, a life of hope, a life of purpose, and central to that new and different kind of life is that we get God's voice in our lives. Not just the leaders. In fact, not just the people that are really, really good. Do you know that? But that's a promise 
for each and every one of us. And friends, I want to suggest that perhaps many of us don't know how to relate to that idea of God's voice in our lives. But, and there's an issue here. But the issue is not whether God wants to speak to you. Whether, the issue is not whether God is speaking to you. But the issue is... Look at your neighbor and go, the issue's you. I believe the testimony of scripture is that he's speaking and yet we're missing the voice. We're missing his guidance. We're missing his direction. This Easter morning, we're gonna look at a story in the Gospel of John, John chapter 20. And I confess it's my favorite Easter story. And it's, I, I, I meditate on this story more than any other Easter story. I love this story. I love the interaction. It's with Mary Magdalene. And I continue to find new and, and fresh things from this story. And, um, and one of the things that just occurred to me as I was meditating over this story, this Easter season, is that this is a story about Mary missing the voice of Jesus. She misses it. She, it, it whew, over. And I thought, what a, what a picture for us how we can relate, that even, even for many of us who are longtime committed Christians, we can miss God's voice. And, and yet, Jesus finds a way to break through and speak to her and reach her. And I thought, probably that'd be neat to think about, see how she misses God's voice and then see how Jesus breaks through, and I know that he wants a breakthrough for each and every one of us. Because he longs probably even far more than you and I long for his voice to be center in our soul. Would you pray with me? Lord, we don't want to just talk about your voice. We want to hear your voice in this, these sweet moments. Holy Spirit, would you bring your still, small voice to us? Amen. Amen. This is John chapter 20. We're picking it up at verse 11. We'll read just a few verses here. Of course, Jesus died on the cross, and they still think he's gone forever. And a number of them went to uh, the empty tomb, and we're seeing the discovery process. A number of disciples discover the tomb, and it's only Mary who lingers, says something. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? 
thinking he was the gardener. She said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Let's just pause right there for a moment and and think about this delightful interchange. I, I think it's delightful for a number of reasons. One is, as I've shared before, did the angels really know why, why she was crying? Did, did they, were they really curious, like, why are you crying, woman? So why did they ask the question? They were being playful. They were having fun. This is evidence for humor, angelic humor right here, right? So they're asking her, why are you crying, woman? And she, like, like they don't know. Of course they know. They must have asked that with a smile on their face. Now, in, every, in almost every other instance, when someone has an experience of an angel or angels, when someone hears the voice of angels, do you know what most often the response is by people? fear or or they fall down in worship sometimes inappropriately all these things but not Mary what does Mary do she's still like where where is the body where is none of that she's missing this experience of angels can you imagine her telling the church generation after generation yeah I, I saw angels and then Jesus resurrected and I thought he was the gardener oh man And then Jesus, again, he asked the same question of the angels, right? Woman, why are you crying? Why did he ask that question? Did he not know? He didn't know. He He was clueless as to why she was crying. Was he being playful? Yes. Yes. Sarcasm a little bit? No, close. I'm going to find sarcasm in there somewhere. But yes, there's this humor, this idea, this joy. And I, I, maybe I'm reading into it, but I expected that Jesus probably expected Mary to turn around and go, Jesus! And what does she do? Where is the body? Why? Why was she missing? Why was she missing this angelic experience, this divine experience? Why was she missing the the voice of her risen Savior? Why did she not see and recognize right there? Why didn't she get it? I think that's a a good question. And I, I think that as I was pondering this, I realized that I think maybe some of the reasons she missed the voice of Jesus are some of the same reasons that we miss the voice of Jesus. What I think for sure is she was distressed and she was distraught. And so in her distress, um, she hadn't even thought about the possibility of Jesus being alive. I think that's true of us, that oftentimes... Uh, whether it's distraction, whether it's distress, um, we can miss what God is saying in a particular circumstance. But I think there's another reason that possibly that there could have been other ideas and other voices going around in her head that she was missing Jesus' voice. You see, I think so often 
that we are distracted by other voices and we've not learned to remove or, or push those voices aside and allow the voice of God to speak into our lives. It was a very significant moment for me when I was, I was in my 20s and I went to hear a speaker. He was not a pastor. He was a business guy. He owned his own business, but he was a speaker and he was known for some miraculous stuff happening in his everyday life. And at the beginning of his talk, he said this, you know, the, the, voice, the, the voice in your head, you know, that's not always your voice. And I thought, hmm. In fact, he would go on to write a book, um, and uh, it's still one of my favorite titles of a book, Stark Raving Obedience. And, and he said, yeah, as he looked at his own conscience at the voices going on, he identified that, yes, he has his voice. He can recognize his voice. And that can be good or bad. That can be condemning. Who knows that we can condemn ourselves with our own voice, right? Yes? Yeah? Sometimes it can be a good voice, right? He argued that there's another voice that was going on, and sometimes that is the voice of the enemy. I'm convinced that so many of these tragedies that we see in our world, the gun shootings and so much of the, uh, the brokenness, the, the bitterness, the, um, the compromise, it's because people are listening to the wrong voice. It's the voice of the enemy who is the father of lies and wants to tear us down. There's another voice, you could call it the voice of the world, maybe the voice of our parents, that can be good or bad. The enemy's voice is always bad. Depending on the voices that have spoken into our lives as we thought about to begin with, that can be good or bad. And then also there's a voice of God that's there. And they're competing and they're working. And I was thinking about Mary. We don't know really great details about Mary, but we know a few things. Did you know when it was told about how Mary was part of the Jesus entourage, he had an entourage, you know, of, of disciples, but also women. And we're told Jesus traveled about from town to town and village to, uh, to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, this is our Mary here in the story, from whom seven demons had come out. So Mary had a past, did she not? Yes? Now, she was healed of that, but keep in mind that she thought the person that had healed her was dead and buried and gone. And I wonder if some of those old fears and concerns and the loss of Jesus, that was part of her sadness and part of the voices that were coming back. It's not in scripture, it's actually in church tradition that, uh, that associates Mary Magdalene with the woman caught in adultery in the Gospel of John. Don't know if that was her or not, but if it was... Remember, it was Jesus who saved her 
when the people were ready to cast stones at her, he was the one that says, neither do I condemn you. And yet now he was gone. I wonder if those same voices, those old voices of guilt, of pain, of brokenness were creeping in. And they were barriers to Mary hearing the voice. Is it fair to say that Mary could have had these other voices that were taking place? And I think of just the experience that Mary would have gone through from Good Friday to Saturday, hearing the voices of unbelief echo, like all of the the religious leaders that were yelling at Jesus and mocking Jesus. For example, those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads in the same way the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Maybe those voices were still in Mary's head, causing that doubt. Maybe Jesus was not who he said he was. Maybe I have not been set free. Maybe I don't have a new life in him I was talking with a young adult a number of weeks ago we were talking about faith and she began to share about some of the the perspectives and beliefs of her father and of course I want to be very careful all the time I don't want to upset or uproot uh Uh, parental discussion with kids. But I was very saddened to hear that she was repeating some of the the statements of doubt, some of the statements of, of unbelief. And I could see it in this young adult that there was faith there and yet there was struggle. And I realized the voice of her earthly father was in competition with the voice of her heavenly father. And I'm praying for that young adult. How about you? Are there voices that are seeking to to crowd out and remove those voices? the voice of God? Are are there some voices, maybe voices from the past, maybe your own voice, maybe voices of unbelief that are crowding out the voice of God? And he is wanting to break through your spiritual deafness. He's wanting to reach your soul. He's wanting to speak to your mind. And yet we're missing. I think there's some crossover between physical deafness and spiritual deafness. Do you know that there's a a relatively new technology Um, called cochlear implants. Have you seen some of that? And this technology, in in 2014, they they began experimentally uh, surgically implanting an electronic device that provides a sense of sound to persons who are profoundly deaf and severely hard of hearing. And it's not just, uh, now they've started to experiment not just with people that have become deaf, right, but also people born uh, deaf. And we have a a video, we we tried to just 
snipped together some video. If we could start that video of people. He experienced the voice of his mom the first time there. See that little device that's there? It's processing sound for the very first time. Mama. Let's uh, read on. Mary has a, you could call it a cochlear moment with Jesus. Jesus said to her, Mary, Mary, you're missing it. It's me. Don't you recognize me? She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me. I can only imagine she did not want to let go of him. For I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Friends, I I think that the Heavenly Father is longing for us to have that cochlear implant moment in our lives. That, that he's longing for us to, to, to figure out those barriers and, and remove that and, and discern and hear that, yes, he wants wise counselors in our lives. Praise God that we don't have to live this life on our own and by ourselves. And yet he wants to be the predominant voice. He wants to be the one that is comforting us in our times of sorrow, that's given in our time of insecurity and doubt. He wants to be that voice of faith that's inviting us, that's breaking through, that we would discern. He wants to be that voice of conviction when we're 
contemplating making bad choices and say, don't do it. It's another barrier between you and me. Don't do it. Choose my voice, my heart, my love. A, a few ways that Jesus breaks through with Mary that I think is instructive for us. And then maybe a few ways we might grow in hearing and discerning the voice of God. Did you notice just this voice, the resurrection voice of Jesus, it breaks through and he's been transformed. He is Jesus and yet so very personal with Mary. That's how he breaks through. I, I do believe that he, th that he thought Mary, when he would say, why are you so sad that she'd turn around and go, oh, Jesus. She doesn't, so then he's like, Mary, it's me. It's, it's the lover of your soul. It's the one that you know, and it's the one who knows you, who's healed you. And in fact, in a profound sense, Jesus is the one who knit Mary together in her mother's womb, who raised her up with plans and purposes and a mission. He's the one who brought life to her in a very grand sense as part of the Trinity. And now he's saying, it's me and I know you. Friends, did you know that the, the promise of Scripture is that he knows you? Not just Mary, not just leaders, not just a few individuals. Listen to this promise from John chapter 10. It says this, uh, he, the good shepherd, Jesus talking about himself, calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. That's part of the Christian life. That's this, this kingdom life, this new life, this Easter resurrection life is that we get to know his voice, that he knows our name and we get to know him personally. The cochlear moment is when he looks at us and says, Greg, I know you. Hear me. I have plans and purposes for you. I want to speak into your life. So very personal. I think I've had a number of these moments in my life, but... I was thinking of the first time in college and his voice came through the Gospel of John and I'm reading the Gospel of John and when he said, come follow me, I looked behind me like, holy cow. That, was that for me, Jesus? And now in, in hindsight, I was a Christian, but I wasn't a disciple. And he was calling me to be a disciple. He was calling me to, 
to respond to him giving his life to me, that I would give his life, my life back to him. What I didn't realize is that there was so much more to this thing we call the Christian life. There was so much more intimacy and personal relationship and invitation to journey with him was so much better. What I didn't realize is Jesus was saying, I've got so much more for you, Eric. Would you respond with seeking after me, seeking my voice, and I'll teach you all things by his Holy Spirit. Now remember, I wasn't a pastor. I wasn't born a pastor. I was just a student, right? Did I have sin in my life? Yeah. I, I was just an ordinary kid from suburbs of Chicago. And I was like, who, who is this God who would like call me personally? Who is this God that would know my name? Who is this God that would say, I, I get, you get to know my voice? He's the same God that knows your name, that wants his voice in your life and wants to teach you how to live anew. Do you notice... The, uh, the name that Mary had for Jesus when she responded. First, it's an aromatic name, Rabboni, and that means what? Teacher. Teacher. I think that's instructive. She knew Jesus as teacher, and now he wanted to continue to be her teacher. In fact, in John 14, Jesus would say this. He was talking about this Easter time and ascension and when he would go away. He said, I have said all this while I am still with you, but the one who is coming to stand by you, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will be your teacher. He will be your teacher and will bring you your, to your minds all that I have said to you. The fact of the matter is, is that the voice of God is not just wishful thinking that was central to God's plan for you and I. He wants to teach us about a few subjects in our lives. He'll leave just some of us to, just to wander on our own, but then the other subjects, he'll be instructive. Is that what the scripture says? What's the scripture say? All things. I just had someone say to me, well, I didn't pray about this because I thought it was too small that God wouldn't be interested. I said, you know what? Amazingly, he cares deeply about every area of your life. A few things, a few steps. How, how we get going, how, how we learn this. 
just a few suggestions how I have tried to grow in my discernment and experience of God's voice. Is step one is I've started paying attention to who is speaking. I started paying attention to who is speaking. We talked about the different voices. That means there's different sources and they can be good and bad. This past week, I had two people initiate with me, how do you discern the voice of God? I, isn't that really cool? All right. One, I had to say, listen, I've already had my outline. I'm not gonna use, this, this is not from our discussion here. All right, but, but it was the question is how do you know? How do you discern the, these, these to voices? And there's a, a few ways that we can. Is one is we can test the voices. Love is always a good test. Is the voice that you're hearing that, that's going on in your head, even the some of you have heard out, outward voices, right? And to test whether you're crazy or not, use the test of love. Is that love, is that, that voice speaking God's love and God's grace and God's mercy? Even God's conviction, who knows that sometimes a very hard word and challenging word can be a word of love, yes? If it is condemning, if you feel shame from that voice, that is not the voice of God. That's a voice of the enemy and he's trying to drive you away from communion and fellowship with God. But if it's a voice of conviction, if it's a voice of saying, don't do that, no, make a better choice. If that's the conviction, that's the voice of God. He's leading you to that. Ask the question. There's been different times that I've said that is not the voice of love to friends or family, congregational members. No, that is not the voice of God. I know that that is a voice that's straight from the pit of hell. Or sometimes I've said, you know what, that sounds an awful lot like a voice from the past. And that might be your, your mother's or your father's voice. It's not your earthly, it's not your heavenly father's voice. It's not the Holy Spirit. Need to ask that question, is it loving? There's a second test there. The fact of the matter is, is that God has spoken a lot. And the more that we read scripture, the more we can recognize that still small voice within. The more we can recognize his voice from afar. There's been different times when I've heard things like, I married the wrong woman, pastor. Or, I don't think he can use me after what I did. Or, there's some things I will never forgive. And I've been able to say, you know what? That statement, that is inconsistent with the word of God. Step one, start paying attention to who is speaking. And step two is this, start a conversation with God.
Start a conversation with God. Many of us pray before meals or we have a list before bed or in the morning, but that's not a conversation, right? That's not a conversation. We talked about how sometimes voices get in the way and can be barriers of hearing and discerning the voice of God. Have you ever thought maybe it's your voice that's a barrier to the voice of God? Why? Because you're chattering on too long. You're not listening. Maybe the first thing is you need to simply slow down and listen. Listen, start that, uh, create that space, turn off the radio, shut the television off, go for a walk, have those moments, those times where you're just listening and seeking to discern the voice of God. Friends, I believe wholeheartedly that it's his profound desire that yes, we would have wise voices in our lives, whether it's counselors or coaches or parents or pastors, and yet his desire is that his voice would be the greatest voice, the one that is really setting the tempo or the rhythm of our lives. Friends, it's some of the best part of being Christian, of living a resurrection Easter life. Brother Lawrence said this, there is not in the world a kind of life more sweet and more delightful than that of a continual conversation with God. Those only can comprehend it who practice and experience it. Let's pray. Father, I pray. I pray for a breakthrough in our hearts and lives. No matter what age we are, what background, that we would be a people whose souls, whose hearts, whose minds are filled with your counsel, filled with your wisdom, filled with your mercy and compassion. Lord, I pray that this Easter morning would be the time, Lord, that many, many of us realize we heard your voice and you don't want that just in an Easter service just in church, but you want it in that moment by moment. You want it in that personal and compassionate way. Jesus, thank you so much that you're speaking. Teach us to hear you. Teach us to recognize your voice. Teach us to be your sheep.